I'm here today with Dr. John Montgomery from NESA, and he is here to talk to us not about so much his role at NESA, but just about his life and him and the universe and creative arts in general. So welcome, John. It's so exciting to have you here today. Julia, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. It's great just uh, in these COVID days just to have a chance just to chat about stuff that really matters and stuff that is just not work. So it's great. Fantastic. Thank you, John. And by the way, my name is Julia Brennan. I forgot to introduce myself and I am the K-6 Creative Arts Advisor for our wonderful department. So, John, before we go a little bit of the, the, the stock standard stuff, tell us all about yourself, your current role, the impact your role has on teachers and students across New South Wales. Yeah, currently I'm the Inspector for Creative Arts at NESA. I've been in that role since the beginning of um, 2019. And actually I have to say really thankful that I'd had a year in the saddle before the 2020 horror year hit us and had to um, scramble really, really fast, particularly in the HSC space, to try and make the HSC still operate and work in the performing arts space for everybody. Um, but it's such a privilege to be um, in this particular role and particularly at this particular time when we've got the curriculum reform uh, now well and truly underway and to have that opportunity to uh, support that um, process with um, the input of, of so many, you know, including yourself, wonderful stakeholders <laughs> into that space that um, I think will be really exciting to produce something that we can not only be proud of but can really assist our kids to have a richer arts education in New South Wales for generations. So that's, yeah, just pretty wonderful. Fantastic. And I love your your ambition and I love the determination that I sense from you every time I talk to you to make this right. So that's fantastic and I'm so glad you're at the helm. So let's step back a little bit and you're life journey. So tell us a little bit about your arts education journey. Where did it start? All those sort of things, because I don't know this about you and I'm super <laughs> excited to find out. <laughs> Gosh, you know, I mean, family's always a big part of that. So I, I guess I, I came from a fairly um, arts-rich family, both my mum and dad sang and my sisters are music teachers and my brother and I, you know, played in bands. And so we, we kind of had that family context. But, you know, I think it was the teachers in my life um, that really kind of sparked that passion and fire and it opened up a whole world of uh, artistic endeavour that I I didn't know was there. And I think back to my kindergarten teacher, Mrs Crouch, who I think was my first crush. <laughs> she just had this beautiful voice and she'd bring in her, her, you know, folk guitar and I can still see her in her, um, you know, her, her uh, long hair and her, strumming away and sending us all to sleep at sleep time with her beautiful voice and I think that sort of awakened in me a sense of the power of music and the the wonder of of the world of of storytelling and then uh, Mrs Cox who was uh, my second class teacher who was happened to be a concert pianist and would had a piano in a room and would play Shostakovich to us and all sorts of wow. other incredible, wonderful things. <laughs> and uh, introduced us to a whole world again that was so rich and wonderful. And this is in a little public school in rural Cooma in, in the Monero. My mum and dad worked on the Snowy Scheme and so grew up in um, in cosmopolitan Cooma, which had, you know, a population of people from all over the world at that time, which was pretty wonderful. And I didn't realise how wonderful it was until I left Cooma. But, um, and then I guess one of the most influential teachers was my third class teacher, Mr. Cox, who 
was brilliant. Related to Mrs. Cox? She, yeah, they were. They were like, a dynamic duo, those two. And wow. uh, uh, he, he, I mean, he was he was a, in all the amateur local theatre and was a great actor. And he brought that into his teaching as well. But he was so ahead of his time. So this is like, I dread to think how long ago. It was in the early 70s. <laughs> okay, you and he was... Know. <laughs> I know he was teaching us multimedia like back then he was he was with you know super 8 film and and SLR cameras producing uh, we were producing little short films and and I guess the equivalent of powerpoints they called them slideshows back in those days that mm. you know us kids would would collect images and put video and uh, sort of audio tape and and music behind to to as presentations as you know little eight, nine, ten-year-olds learning this incredible world of multimedia in, you know, the early 70s that just made schooling so rich and wonderful. I guess high school years, Brian Buggy was my music teacher and far out did he open a world for me that was just incredible. I mean, we do musicals every year and I was just couldn't help myself, you know, had to be, you know, first in the front of the line when the new musical auditions were going up and wanted to be involved in everything that was going on. And and so I, I think um, I always knew that my life would be richly involved in in the arts. And I, I did an audition for NIDA at one point. So, I, you know, if I could have, could have uh, done that as a profession and they took me, I probably would have headed down that path. But um, I think it was also the teachers in my life that inspired me to head in that direction and to do for others what had been done for me, to open up a world of appreciation and of, of enrichment through through a rich education. And, um, and that's that, so rewarding. such a common story, isn't it? Such a common story. It's the teachers, teachers that are teachers. our lives. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Not, that's the same with my journey. It was Miss Dodds for me in year four who sent me on this arts trajectory so it's yeah. just amazing and you hear this story over and over again yeah no Thank pressure God. teachers out there yeah. listening <laughs> that's exactly right yeah yeah and i yeah indebted for life they're just wonderful wonderful human beings yeah absolutely just you've just um, made me think of something i was looking at the 1983 i think it is music syllabus the other day and in there there's a comment about that you'll love this one of the things that teachers can do is tape it says a cassette recorder or open reel tape recorder can be used to record creative efforts. Cassette players can be easily and effectively operated by quite young children. And they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <yep. laughs> it, was, it was great to have um, the world of imagination and the power of image and sound uh, provided for us with, in a little outback public school. Um, so richly and wonderfully and you know there's no and that still happens today you know teachers aren't held back by access to things they use creativity to to provide for their kids a world of imagination and wonder regardless of you know what's in the storeroom mm. so why do you think the arts means so much to you like obviously this person's changed your life or these people these teachers have changed your life why does it now mean so much to you like how has it influenced your life professionally and personally yeah well that's a really hard question. I, I'm, I don't know the answer. I, I think maybe part of it, it's in your DNA and you just can't help yourself. I mm -hmm. think some of us are just deeply um, connected to the artistic expression of, of life and the richness that comes with that and it just hits us powerfully and we just can't help ourselves. I, I can remember when I was really little, I think I was in year four at school and my older brothers and sisters were at the high school and 
they did the school musical that had just been on the West End the year before, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I went along and saw it, and it was the first time I'd seen like a musical and particularly kind of a rocky kind of a, a one. Yeah. And, um, and the boy that was, he must have been Jamie Mountain, he must have been, you know, I think they called it sixth form back then, year 12. And he did the, you know, the Elvis Faro. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that. So I I made my own version of it just from seeing it once and, you know, enlisted all my friends at school and went up to my teacher in year four and said, oh, could I put on the show for the for the kids after lunch? And she said, yes, that's fine, which we did it. And they thought it was so terrific. They sent us around to do it for all the classes. Oh, isn't that gorgeous? <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of in your DNA. You can't help yourself. And I, I guess I, from a pretty early age, I realised I actually am bottom from Midsummer Night's Dream. You know, can I play the line too? <laughs> just <laughs> have to be in it. <laughs> yeah, so whether it's professional or personal, it's just part of me. It wouldn't matter, you know, what element of my life, you know, whether it's with my kids and my family or friends or my professional what I do professionally, it's just always embedded and soaked into part of my identity, I guess. It's too important not to be. <laughs> so can you share with us one of the golden moments of that little arts journey of yours? Oh, gosh. Actually, you know, um, I did spend some time. I was principal of a little school out at Burke um, back in the late 90s, early noughties. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, I had this idea of, producing a play and putting on a, a play that um, captured some of the essence of what it was to be a, you know, a bushy shearer and and um, and set it in an Aussie pub and, and have a pub band. And, and anyway, I happened to be out at the time um, that I was out there, uh, a locum doctor from Sydney. I don't know if you know Jeremy Cumston, but he's an Australian actor. He was and I've got the name of the show now, but he, he played a nurse with jo Georgie Parker, who played a doctor. <laughs> and the irony was is that Jeremy's actually a, a medical doctor and he, he was an actor playing a medical nurse. But anyway, he he's a, was very generous with his time with me and we sort of collaborated on creating this piece and um, we cast it with people from Burke and toured it to regional New South Wales and then Victoria and then to Sydney Metropolitan. We did over 50 professional performances of this this thing that we put together and it was just from you know uh, I guess what I was saying before I can't help myself you know you, wherever you whatever context you find yourself in you find those like-minded creative souls you get together and you do something and but the it just went off I couldn't believe it was went so well and that we we you know asked to come back and that's the closest thing I guess to being a professional playwright and producer and director that I'd, I've sort of had in my my journey and being school principal I could give my time up time off work to do that sort of <laughs> Fabulous. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. Tell us all yeah. about so that. Yeah. So that was quite an experience. So that there's, this, there's about 60 kids at this school when I arrived. Um, and uh, <laughs> the, the interesting thing was that um, the school didn't actually have tenure on the land. It was on it. It turns out that the school um, was on land that the agreement that it was on that land was a handshake agreement between the school council chair and the farmers who owned the land. And um, so it was not actually, a, you know, fulfilling its legal obligations. So I had a lot of work to get the school even, you know, so we had to get some land that we had tenure on, move the buildings we could move, build a whole new campus. 
Um, and we were just really, really fortunate. In, we had some incredible teachers during that time that school existed. I don't know if you know Colin Buchanan. The, mm, yes. Yeah, so Colin was a teacher out there at that, at that time. And um, we we had some, you know, really, really you know, adventurous people that were happy to come out, you know, far, far west. School got up to over 100 kids within, you know, a couple of years. And um, had Professor Gordon Stanley, who was the, the new chair of the then Board of Studies, actually come out and visit our school. And and um, we, I don't know, I, th I think um, both my wife and I just sort of had this attitude of, well, why not? And so we, you know, we took the kids and some of them who struggled terribly with literacy and said, let's do Shakespeare with them and enrolled them in the Shakespeare Festival. Our kids won the Shakespeare Festival. <laughs> and we took them on an excursion to, to go to the grand final, which was in Sydney. And most of them hadn't been beyond the levee bank. And they, when the first time they saw the ocean, they got really scared because they'd never seen a lake so big and were just blown away by the whole experience. But it was such an experience for us. We learned so much from that context. And our kids had such a rich experience of that kind of outback, you know, mud holidays and the simple things in life and, and you know, how do you cope with 50-degree heat and mm. what happens when Gidgee Lake dries up and all, all the carp end up on the bank you know just the, the richness of of culture and 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 history of that place you know leaves its print on you um and the incredible spirit of the people out there and the hardship that they go through and the way that they overcome that i have such respect for and for teachers and others who you know go out to those places to serve you know more power to them and we can do more to engage um support for the, for them particularly now that you know we have you know, the power of the internet more accessible than ever before. And we can't forget about those people that are doing it really tough in those remote and regional areas. Yeah. So you've told us a little bit about some of the amazing people that you've worked with and taught with. Um, have you got a sort of a, I guess your, your strength or your um, area of expertise you've often said to me is drama. So is there a favourite actor or a favourite person that you've worked with or something like that that you could talk to us about? Gosh, um, I I could give you a Hugo Weaving story. <laughs> Go for it. I love Hugo. Hugo remembers this. Hugo actually did a, a a movie, a feature film with my my niece Emma Long, who was um, a movie called Peaches with Jackie McKenzie and Hugo. Um, and my niece said, "Oh, you went to school with my my dad. You uh, my uncle, my uncle John. You'd know you'd know John Montgomery, who was in uh, Man of La Mancha with you." And and Hugo said. Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't know, John. <laughs> <laughs> you are so famous. I know. Gosh, I've obviously left an impression on Hugo, but I, Hugo actually was incredible. He, you know, there, there is, I think, such a thing as star power. He was incredible in the way that he captivated um, a moment. So the, the, at the end, I don't know if you know well the the musical Man of La Mancha, but at the end, there's this beautiful death scene um, where. Uh, Don Quixote tries to revive himself and regain um, his strength and rejoin and redouble down on, on his mission and his quest and then collapses and dies in the arms of Dulcinea. Um, and when the first time the cast, you know, was it, I, was in, I did have one line in the play, but anyway, the cast, oh, well <laughs> just to put that in there, <laughs> I did trade the balls with Hugo at one moment, um, but anyway, that... <laughs> That, that that magical moment, the first time the cast 
saw them and saw Hugo perform that, uh, I can remember so vividly, we had to then you know, do the reprise of To Dream, The Impossible Dream, and <laughs> we were so choked up by the performance, none of us could get a could hardly sing. We were To Dream. And Aww, I remember Brian a, Buggy. That's a beautiful song. Oh, it, it is. But I remember Brian Buggy just being so cranky with us, you know, I taught you how to sing this song. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a Hugh Jackman story I could tell you as well, but maybe that's another time. Okay, <laughs> definitely. We'll catch up on that one afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's the power of drama then? You, I mean, you've explained about uh, an actor and the effect that that had on you. What's the power of drama? Gosh, yeah, look, I, I think one of the things that, is unique to the art form of drama is that it it does create for people a safe space where they can explore, um, you know, both vicariously and experientially, um, others' shoes, others' worlds, others' viewpoints and lived experiences. And that really opens up the way to develop more of an empathic way of knowing, um, a way of, of seeing that many people's view of the world can be quite myopic and we need to consider that the lived our lived experience is not the same as everyone's lived experience and that we need to be far more compassionate with understanding people who have different views and see the world differently and want to want to um, present their views um, as ones that we should consider and accept and um, it helps us, I think, to come to that discourse and that conversation without a shotgun in our hand wanting to defend our own particular, you know, worldview or point of view, but to come to it with more compassion, wanting to understand before being understood, to to feel things a little bit more intelligently um, as well as know a little bit more intelligently. And I think drama helps us enormously uh, to be able to do that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, so... I, I guess in that same vein, then, why should teachers out there who are perhaps reluctant to engage in drama, why should they do it? I mean, not just drama, I guess the arts in general. Yeah. Um, look, I think the arts enriches us, you know, our whole being. Um, it engages our mind, it engages our body, it engages our soul, um, our spirit. Um, and uh, gives us a way of discovering and developing wisdom in discourse and collaboration. You know, we, we, we as an artist, you, you, even if you're working on your work alone, you still have an audience that will engage with your work and um, critics who will, um, <laughs> you know, dissect your work. Um, and, you know, you, you'll, we, so we live in this world of influence where we continue to be thrust into this discourse of, of wisdom and we get to um, stand on the giants of those that have come before us mm. and learn from them. Um, and I think this was what's so important because it provides our students a way of entering into that discourse themselves and develop and find their own voice. And that's both metaphorical and literal, I guess. But mm. they, through that, they, they develop confidence, they develop their identity, their connections, their knowing. Uh, I'm not talking about the four C's here, although we do do the four C's better than any other KLA, I, I think. But you know, the <laughs> You're a little bit biased, though. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd stand on that, but I, I, I think, um, and probably guilty, but um, I, th I think the arts is far more than a, you know, a, a tool of utility to be thrown at industrial problems because we're great creative thinkers and critical thinkers. Um, though it is bloody brilliant at doing that, that, that's a byproduct. It's not the reason why we should enrich our kids through education in the arts. It's because of the things that I mentioned before that entering into a rich discourse of life wisdom um, and finding their voice and their place in that discourse and, and to build on the knowing of before and, and of others and, and to um, uh, take write the next chapter mm. in the lived experience of the human condition, yeah. Fantastic, thank you. So what, what about that, say, a teacher out there who's listened to what you've just said uh, and they're thinking, well, there's no way I can do that. I don't have any experience in any of this and I've just heard this guy talking about, oh, he learnt from Hugo Weaving or whatever. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. How can I get started? Like, what advice would you have to a teacher out there who might okay. have limited experience? You know, I think, um, I think at its core, drama is play. And I think, you know, in Hamlet, Shakespeare says the play's the thing. I think <laughs> I think as teachers, we, at our heart, facilitate learning through play. Um, and it's even better when we participate in that play with the kids as well. And I think that at its core, that's really what drama is. So it's nothing to be frightened of. It's, it's kind of like waters that um, you might stand on the edge and think, gosh, it might be cold when I jump in. But then when you jump in the water, you find out, oh, this is awesome. This is actually... Yeah. And there's a whole ocean here I can explore. It's beautiful. You... I love it. I love it. That's a beautiful one. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think don't be, don't be afraid to stand on the edge and miss out. You know, jump in and and you, you can't make any mistakes. And if you enter with the spirit of play, you're already, you know, you've already won. The, the kids Absolutely. will so appreciate that. Yeah. Students will be 100% on board with that. Yeah. And if you need some resources, talk to Julia because she's got heaps <laughs> on her website. Well, I do actually, yes. That's, that's a very good point. Thank you. That's a really nice promo. Well done, John. <laughs> Tick. No, not really. Um, <laughs> so, John, what pathways are open to students who have an interest or ability in the arts? So, you know, a lot of people, I think, um, will think, oh, there's there's no future in doing the arts, there's no hope, you know, what? there's no jobs, there's no money, blah, blah, blah. You hear so many negative stories out there. Tell us all about what you know from your perspective about what those what possibilities are out there for people in the arts. Yeah, look, I think this is where the curriculum reform is really our friend because one of the imperatives of the curriculum reform in the senior years is to strengthen those pathways across the curriculum. And one of the things that is already a mechanism by which that operates in the New South Wales curriculum are things called university developed board endorsed courses. And they're basically university modules that uh, are provided as part of the HSC curriculum that students can do. But not a lot of people know that they exist uh, and they're not frequently done, but they can become mainstream through the reforms where there's this opportunity for these university-developed board-endorsed course modules um, to be, and that they could form part of this um, untimed syllabus uh, approach possibly as well, where the universities who are becoming more and more adept, and some of them are world leaders in online delivery, can provide this learning to students 
uh, anywhere they are, whether it's in a remote area or a regional area, metropolitan, even internationally, um, students can have access. Um, and to the expertise that comes from those tertiary providers. But even more excitingly, you know, with that can come um, micro-credentialing uh, that recognises prior learning and gives them a an experience of and a direct pathway with a leg up into higher learning and into the industry. And and as much as you know the you know we don't teach the arts to be necessarily to make everyone you know a, 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 the first violin in the Sydney SSO or the you know. Um, next Hugo <laughs> Weaving, we we do want to see that that industry opportunity is there for those who have a calling into that industry and, and want to pursue that. And um, and and in fact, in the area of, of media or arts, you know, in you know, photography, digital media, um, that field, film and television, and and that that field is, is employs more people than all the other arts put together currently. And there's such a demand for people mm -hmm. that have expertise in that space. So I do see that there is a genuine vocational pathway here as well as to higher learning and, um, and, and experiences for those who are you know, gifted and passionate and, and have, have that as their calling and like us can't help, help themselves. Yeah, that's wanna, right. Want to experience that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's infectious. So once you get yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, all right. Look, you've talked about a whole lot of serious stuff and it's fantastic and I, I always enjoy our conversations. We always manage to turn something highly intellectual into a bit of fun as well, which is fantastic and a real strength of yours. But before we go... <laughs> no, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> Uh-oh, <laughs> drum roll. Have you got any other sort of inspiring stories or experiences that you might like to share i do happen to know that you're quite the guitarist slash songwriter as well john so i don't know you might want to indulge us with a song or i don't know you can well, launch it for some shakespeare i don't mind <laughs> i can't say i'm bottom two and then not half often do something i guess can i um <laughs> i'll just get my guitar oh no pressure john but come on yeah. make it good <laughs> so what well, this is going to be an original composition is it yeah, this is something I've just um, written recently. This is a COVID song. Oh. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just it's a bit of a folksy little thing. Um, it's called Let Kindness Shine. So it's kind of, you know, saying, you know, life can be tough, but let's keep being kind to one another. Oh, um, that's beautiful. So I'll, nice I'll, I'll play you out to that and <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I get the words right. Well, we will come back in afterwards. Okay. Okay. Off you go. How you traveling lately, little darling? Through time shifting sands. Have you stopped to smell the roses lately? Still making other plans. Friends and family, such a joy and pleasure, but oh, so much pain. Paradoxical mystery, darling. It's always been, isn't it time to slow down? Just breathe in this moment in time, a world full of beauty to treasure. So ain't a time to let kindness shine, let kindness shine. How you traveling lately, little darling? Through time shift and sand 
friends, have you stopped to smell the roses lately? Still making other plans. Friends and family, such a joy and pleasure, but oh, so much pain. Paradoxical mystery, darling. It's always been. Isn't it time to slow down? Just breathe in this moment in time. A world full of beauty to treasure. It's time to let kindness shine. Let kindness shine. How you traveling lately, little darling? <laughs> I know the crowd's going wild. Yes. <laughs> In his mind. <laughs> well, that was magnificent. Thank you. Who would have known? <laughs> present this nice serious very intellectual front and then you've got that in the background going on that's magnificent <laughs> no, well done all right well look john that's um that's enough for today um really loved having a great chat with you it was absolutely sure. fantastic so thank you dr john montgomery yeah, lovely so to have you today um and ladies and gentlemen who've been listening to this podcast if you've enjoyed today make sure you hit subscribe and we've got many more coming and there's many others that you can listen to so look forward to chatting to you again next time see ya